Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello, it's Ayers on the Road again. We are so happy to be with you. Actually, it's so nice to talk to the outside world once in a while during this <laughs> pandemic. I was just saying to Linda that it's, it's um, something we look forward to every week doing this podcast because we learn about things each other's been doing that we might not have known. And it's just, it's just fun to share. Like you say, Linda, it's such a, we're social animals, whether we like it or not, human beings are. And Zoom doesn't quite do it for you, and FaceTime doesn't Helpful. quite do it for you, Helpful. but it's better than nothing. And the yeah. radio show doesn't quite, it's not quite the same as if we were sitting down across a table from you and just talking, but we try to make it seem like that. I hope so, but wow, it is kind of funny to just be talking to a computer, and sometimes we actually see people that say, hey, I heard you on the podcast, which is really kind of fun, so well, thank kinda, you for those who are listening in. I kind of wish you could see us now, because when we do it from wherever we happen to be, but when we're at home like we are today... We always, for some reason, sit at our bar. It's not the most comfortable place in the world, but we, we've just started doing it here, and it just seems like this is the place to do it. So picture in your mind, we're just sitting on these high stools by our kitchen bar, and just imagine that you're sitting across on the other side of the bar, and we're just talking about our families. We're just discussing parenting. We're talking about relationships and marriage and how to be better, and we're just... We're just having a good old double date. Uh, we are. And uh, when I think of next Friday or Saturday, whenever you're hearing this, um, I'm thinking we're going to be in a different place. Well, we'll be in London bar. with our... Well, no, not, not with her. <laughs> have we talked about this before? I don't think we have. We're, we're taking off for England. It's not easy to get to England, and it's not easy when you once get you there. get there. <laughs> But, you, you know, they, they say you cannot come unless it's essential travel, but this is essential. <laughs> we have a daughter. In Linda's mind, this is the most the essential. The most essential, in fact. I promised her that we would come, whether I had, even if I had to paddle, and that would be really, really hard. <laughs> so um, our youngest daughter has been living in London for five years and has two little boys, very excited two and little energetic, four-year-old and two-year-old. And she is expecting twins. And so we are coming to the rescue, going to the rescue. And although we really do have to quarantine. So there's a story involved with that. We are so um, excited for both. Actually, should I tell them where we're quarantining? Well, or should we tell them next week? Well, why not? Do you think, that, do you think someone might find us? <laughs> no. Well, no. you know that you have to quarantine for two weeks. You can't go to your daughter's house because that would not be a quarantine. You have Especially to be, with two little kids. Though. Right. And so we and so we were kind of dreading the idea of going to some bed and breakfast or some Airbnb in London and not being able to even walk out the door. So we thought about it and thought about it. And there's a place... We, we spent our mission in London, as many of you know, and we've lived there other times, too. So we love London. Yeah. We love Surrey, south of London. But it turns out we both have an ancestor 
a very interesting one in both of our cases from Bath, the little town of Bath. Well, actually, it's a little city. Actually, it's Bath Easton. Well, yeah, Bath is a big city, right? And my great great grand great 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 grandfather was born there. You have somebody born there, but I have a great great grandmother who bore eleven children in Bath Easton, which means a little east town, of Bath, I guess, east, east of Bath. Yeah. And uh, we have been there. That's before. where we're going to stay, by the way, for our quarantine. We're staying there for two weeks, and I am taking all my ancestor books. I have been reading all week. I'm so excited about this grandmother. It's an amazing what these people did well, for tell, us. Well, tell them what she did. I mean, this must have been a strong, tough woman because she knew how to put a guy in his place. Well, she <laughs> was very strong. She was amazing. She, they had, she had 11 children. They had 11 children together in Bath Easton. And um, then four of them died in infancy, which is was normal in those days, but still tragic and so sad. So seven so, of them left. Seven children, and uh, she joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and got so excited about going to Zion, going with the, um, with the group that was leaving and becoming a pioneer and going across to Utah to but she had, the other but saints. She, but she had a husband who... She had a husband who was not about going to do Didn't want to do that. Do and I think, I mean, no, doesn't no, say I this, think I think so. he was not a real good guy. No, I think he was a real I, good guy because of what well, happened at Well, well, we don't so, know. But anyway, anyway one day um, he went into London He on said, a trip. do you want to go with me to London? And that was a long trip from Bath Easton in those days. Horses, you know, a long way. And so she said, no, I won't. I, I'm not going. I, I don't want to go. And so while he was gone, she packed up the seven kids and left for America. And she <laughs> Imagine got, him getting back and there's no one there. Not, Do you think she left him a note? Do you think she, think she said, well, we, we're gone. We are in America. Yeah. We are going to Zion. Have a nice life. Well, no, I'm, I'm sure she left her, him a note, and I'm sure there was some love there after eight children. But we, we don't know the whole story. But this is, I mean, she had an amazing experience going over, an amazing boat ride, unlike some of our other ancestors. So fun. She, she had a warm. great... It, it was, was a it guy was who was a writer and wrote all about dancing on the boat and having... They had an orchestra and a band. This and is in the 1850s. It's yeah, amazing. But the difference is they weren't going across the North Atlantic like so many of our stories are where they're freezing to death. And This was in February, but they were heading for New Orleans. And yeah, so, they so they went south. Two days and cold. It and it was warm and it was great. They had a fabulous they had boat a fabulous trip. <laughs> then they got there. Oldest daughter, 18, drank some bad water, got cholera, and died. Then their next daughter, 17. After they had arrived. After they arrived. In well, New Orleans. They got to New Orleans. Then they went to St. Louis. On, then they got, on the Mississippi River. Then they got a uh, covered wagon. No, they, they finally went to Kansas City is where they started in the covered wagon. Oh, was it? They I went through St. Louis. And, and up to Kansas to, City. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, so they get that, and then she's now got six children, and she, um, one of their their older, beautiful older daughter, Anne, caught her dress on fire in the campfire. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Died. And died. So now they have five children. They go across the plains, and they get there, and it's quite an, as you know, many of you listening have ancestors who did this. But it was an amazing thing. And then uh, Brigham, bottom line, Brigham Young and Charles C. Rich sent her and her remaining Five children. Her, too. a widow, a, a single woman with Not five children. 
and center of all places to Bear Lake, Bear Idaho. Bear Lake Valley. And the first... <laughs> Not the kindest of climates. The first winter was okay. The second and third winters were horrible. They were starving and most people left. But not Ellen Sarah Harding Allen. She stuck it out with those kids and ended up in Bloomington settling Bloomington. Then their uh, son Francis was 21 years old playing around with a cousin <laughs> at the bottom of the cemetery. This is not funny. Uh, no, 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 I'm just saying, and I'm wondering if we're telling you more than you want to know. But, but, but this, this is, is a pretty an amazing good story. story. And then so he was wrestling with this friend who accidentally broke his neck and he died instantly. So now she's down to four children. And then her youngest daughter, who now has grown up and married a lovely man, and they have four children, little children, six years old, and then on her fourth child, five days after she was born, she got appendicitis and died. Lots so of hardships. So this woman had three <clears throat> remaining children. Of one of whom is outlander. your great-grandfather. One of whom, James Orchard Island, was my great-great-grandfather. And great, my, great, or my great? Great, great. And, great, but great. my grandmother was born... In that, in in that house little, in Bloomington. Yeah. And so there we go. But Well, and um, here, here it is to complete the circle. So by coincidence, I have an ancestor also from Bath. And he was a sea captain. And about the same time, he immigrated to America. Of course, these two families have no connection to each other at that point. We're the ones that connected the two families. Yeah, we did it. Many years later, but... Uh, he went, he immigrated, and um, then the strange thing is we were researching his records. He was married in America and apparently lived there for several years, but ended up going back to England, and that's where he died. And that's a very, I mean, people didn't immigrate and then go back in the 1850s. Right, right. That was a very odd thing. But come to find out, as near as we can piece it together, he got ill and he believed that the baths, that's what Bath, England is named after, the warm mineral baths that occur there naturally. And for centuries, millennia, in fact, people have felt that those waters have healing powers. So he returned to England, very rare story, because he thought he might be cured by the baths, but didn't happen. And he died back there where he was born. So we're going to be researching those. Though This is going to be an interesting trip, Linda, because... For the quarantine, we're going to be spending our time in the past, nearly 200 years in the past, thinking about 1850. Right. Very few things, a lot of things haven't changed much in this little town of Bath Easton since then. Then, when the quarantine's over, we're headed for London, we're going to be living in the, in the immediate present and in the future as we welcome twin boy and a girl. Boy and a girl. Our youngest daughter and... Uh, I just hope that those babies don't come while we're still quarantining because wild horses will not keep Linda away. Linda will abandon me. She'll find a way to London. I'll if she gets arrested, she'll pay the fine. Let's just hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> Let's just hope it doesn't happen. Come on, stay in Although there, babies. I'm not stay be in there. In the hospital, and you know, I mean, there are still hard things people are doing even now. But with, it was so much more easy. It's amazing. I do have to say just one little postscript on the story. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> um, she sent her husband a letter five years before she died. Apparently, they hadn't been corresponding. I don't know if they had or not, but she sent him a letter. He sent it back unopened, but he had this written across the top of the letter. I will meet you on the beautiful shore. 
I well, think that's, that's so out weird. of context. But I hope he, I hope well, you're right. You I hope he was, he was a, a bad good guy. guy. He was not a bad guy. I don't guy. think she'd have left him if he was not a bad guy. But that's well, you know. she just desperately wanted to go. I mean, that that's that gene came down right to would us. You, and would our you girls leave me if you desperately want wanted to go? I mean, you would not do that. Well, there, there had to be something there. But that, well, that's anyway. the interesting thing about these stories is there's always little mysteries. And boy, do we love stories, Linda. We, we thought we would do the show today. It's taken us a while to get to it. But on stories, particularly stories of ancestors, stories of our daughter having a baby. And we're going to talk about some stories of our books. Because, you know, some of you who listen regularly know that the last 52 podcasts, that's a full year of podcasts, 52 weeks, We've been talking about one of our books each time. We haven't said we're talking about our book. We've just taken the subject matter from that book, and that's been our podcast. And that's gone on now for a full year. By the way, if you want to review those, if you missed some of those books, just go to our Instagram page, which is Linda Richard Iyer or Richard Linda Iyer, strung together, and it'll get you there. And you'll see all those books. But what we thought we'd do now, that those have all been talked about a little, is tell you some stories behind those books. Because some of them came about in a very circumstantial, we think serendipitous way. And we've learned a lot from writing these books. And we want to share some of those stories with you in the second half of the show. Some of them involve intrigue. Some of them involve blind luck. Some of them involve Oprah. Some of them involve Random House. Some of them involve standing out on 6th Avenue, realizing we just walked out on our publisher. Lots of stories. So we hope you'll hang on. Um, And we'll be right back after this short message. See you in a minute. Don't go away. Stories coming up. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. We're storytelling today. And um, it has been kind of fun. We're just telling stories from our past, from our ancestors. And now we're going to tell a few little stories of our own life. We hope you're thinking just, about your stories as you go. Well, on. we get asked so often about how did you start writing books and why did you start writing books and how do I write a book? And we get a lot of questions about books and the best way to answer them sometimes is with stories. We're going to tell you a few stories today and hopefully we can learn from them. We've learned some things from them. Maybe you can. And I think we should go back to the very beginning, Linda. We were graduate students back in Boston not even the slightest idea of ever becoming authors or, or writers. I was headed, I was going to the business school. Linda was teaching music. And uh, we came in contact with a wonderful person, a man named Paul H. Dunn. Some of you know of him, some of you don't. And All you older people remember. But what was interesting is he. we worked together in a church calling and he said to me one day, Rick, I, I want to do a new book. I want to see what you think of it. I'm going to call it I Challenge You because I want to list a lot of challenges and really challenge young people to do certain things that I think will make their life better. And I thought about that for a couple of days, and I said, you know, I, I love the idea, 
But it sounds too, you know, I challenge you. It sounds like Andrew Carnegie or, or Dale Carnegie or Napoleon Hill. It sounds like another positive mental attitude book. Why don't you call it I Promise You? Because that's what people really want. They want promises. They want to be told they can have certain things. And then you can give them the challenge that leads up to the promise. But why don't you name it I Promise You? And he thought that was an interesting idea. And we went around and around on it and finally came up with this crazy idea to do the book together and to have it be two-sided. So instead of a back cover, it's got two front covers. One says, I promise you. One says, I challenge you. And if you do it from the promise side, you read the promise and then you tip the book upside down to read the challenge that leads to that promise and one thing led to another and I got really into the idea of writing and thinking along those lines the book did fabulously well went through 36 printings over time if you can imagine and there's still copies around today 40 40 years later but that kind of got us going on writing and it wasn't long before we had another reason to start writing and that was that we had three little preschools kids, our three little preschoolers, who were driving us crazy. Yep, we had three under five at one point, and uh, it was a pretty crazy household. Oh, wow, we had our oldest daughter was so creative, but every day she would, she would, she was three and a half, and she'd get the two-year-old out, and they would open the fridge. Any, every day when I was gone, I had to keep running in to see if the fridge was closed because she'd open the door and they would make a creation. They loved cooking, but you know, they would pull up, then they'd go to the backyard and get a little dirt, put a little dirt in there with the eggs and the, the milk and all this stuff, and it was a disaster. It was really a crazy time. That's a perfect story, Linda, because that, that, that and other experiences like it, of which there were many, we just thought, we, we don't, we're in over our heads. We got these three preschoolers, we don't know what we're doing. We're, we're trying so hard to make them behave. We're trying so hard to make them good, and they're just getting worse. They're just getting more wild. How, what should we do? And one thing led to another, and we began considering an interesting premise, namely that maybe we shouldn't be trying to make our kids good. Maybe we should be trying to make them happy. And maybe the goodness would follow the happiness. And maybe We're, in the process we could make ourselves happy. <laughs> right, at least sometimes. Right. Sometimes of the day. <laughs> well, that's just a real abbreviated story. But that's what led to the book Teaching Your Children Joy, which really launched us into co-authorship. I'd written a couple of other books uh, uh, after... Quite the, a few, actually. Yeah, well, four, I think. Four or five. And... Then you came on board, and then we got good because people always say, "Well, how do you guys write books together? What, who, who does what?" And the simple answer to that is, the good parts are Linda's, and the boring parts are mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Mine are the more analytical, sort of conceptual parts, and Linda's are the stories that everyone reads. Well, I did have some good <laughs> stories, just because I had such great material, you know, to work with. It was it was crazy. But here's another story because people say, well, how did, you know, who published those first books? And the interesting answer is that our very early books were published by a company called Bookcraft. It doesn't exist anymore. Well, it was bought out later by a, a bigger publisher called Deseret Book. But 
we wrote, and then Deseret Book came to us and said, we're starting a new imprint, a new label. We're going to call it Shadow Mountain. And we want to reach a broader audience. We want it to be a national and international brand. And so we would like you to do a parenting book. And that was what we did, teaching your children joy on that em em emblem. And they were try they sent us on a book tour. I think we went to 24 or 25 well, we cities. We had two. We had Teaching Children Joy and Teaching Children Responsibility. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, and De so. Deseret sent us on a book tour in those days. Book tours were a big deal because every city of any size had a local morning show, a TV show. Good morning, Dallas. Good morning, Pittsburgh or whatever. And we would go around and be on those shows with our book and that would presumably sell the books. It's interesting that they just don't do that as much. I mean, they do now have, we have two local shows, you know, yeah. in Salt Lake and, or more. Probably Fox has one that I don't know about. Three maybe four, I don't know. They do have local shows. They don't, but they don't center usually on books, do books so much, yeah. you know, like they used to. It's really they, interesting, mostly but, other things. But here's a, a again, a talk about luck. We we were on that book tour and we were in, and by the way, we wouldn't go for 25 days. We couldn't, we had young family. That's what they wanted. They wanted they, us to go 25 days straight and just go to 25 cities. Well, yeah. Maybe not 25, but every other day we'd go to a different city. We'd so go to two or three and then come home and and be with our kids, and then we'd go out again. And people say, well, how, do you, how could you leave your kids? They were pretty young. Well, the kids actually needed a break from us. <laughs> actually, yeah, and we needed a break from them. And it was so fun because the kids would, if we got a married couple... And the kids said, if they have a baby, I'm going to be fine. Yeah, they, want, want they wanted us to that have a married weird. couple with How a baby <laughs> so they could take care of the baby. And so we would go, and we had a couple of, of young couples we just loved, and they were so conscientious. And everything we would do in our family, from getting up and having a devotional to our little pegboard that we had to our little family rules and so on, we would brief these young couples and they would be like a breath of fresh air. They'd come in, and the kids would enjoy them, and they'd enjoy the kids, and we'd be gone two or three days. And we'd come home, and our kids seemed cuter than they used to be because we missed them, and uh, it, was, the couple, it was awesome. I just ran onto a letter the other day. I was going through some old papers, and I ran into a letter of uh, the mother of the family of this couple that had left a note on what had happened every day, and it was so fun to see. I did usually put food I gave them a menu. I put food in the freezer. It was a deal to leave. I mean, it was not easy. I had to write a book. By yeah, the time the kids yeah. got older, about getting them to lessons and how to get there and, you know, five soccer practices and all that stuff. But they, they did really well. And the kids were so happy because I always offered them sugar-coated cereal just when we oh. were gone. <laughs> the only time you get and, uh, Cocoa Puffs or thought, okay, Fruit Loops bye, is Mom, when we're when gone. When are you going again? Bye. <laughs> bye. It was really fun. And I forgot that have, part of the story. They have great memories of that, actually, and so do we. We we actually went five days, and we come home for Did 10 days. Did we go that long we sometime? We for, 10 days, for five days. We go five days and wow. 10 days. So it was really, we had so much fun, and people were like, oh, my gosh. This must be so hard for you to travel from city to city. Oh, you poor dear. And I was pregnant half the time because we were having another baby. And I was like, are you kidding? This is the best vacation I've ever had. Somebody else cooks for me, drives me, puts me on a plane, takes care of me. Oh, my gosh. Those were great times. Well, over the course of our lives, I guess we did uh, dozens of those book tours. 
some of which became international ones and uh well maybe not dozens but lots a lot of them and they were they were great and we the interesting thing about linda we learned as much as we taught i mean when you get out with people especially in other countries where we had have translators and so on you learn so much about their approach to things and their traditions and their rituals and so on many of them are so great we we always loved being in latin america because the family ties just seemed so strong there and i loved the idea of a a siesta in the afternoon and coming home for lunch even high-powered businessmen coming home for lunch kids coming home from school sitting down at the table having an hour to just talk and so on and then have a little nap and then then go back to school until like six or seven i mean that was their main meal of the day and then they just had a little snack and went to bed when they got home and it was so fascinating. I loved going to all, seeing all those cultures and how families operated in different ways. And, and so many of them were better than ours. Oh, yeah. We learned so much. And what I was leading up to on, the, on this one, very early tour, probably the first one we ever went on, we did a show called Good Morning San Francisco. And we, you know, we just had our little five or ten minute segment on the show, and then we went back to our hotel. And I remember as we walked in the room of our hotel, the phone was ringing, and I picked it up, and uh, a woman on the other end of the line said, uh, told us her name, and said, "I'm the president and CEO of Random House. I'm, I live in New York, obviously. Random House is in New York, but I'm in San Francisco today, and I just saw your segment." And that is exactly the book we want. Can we buy that book from you? Can we buy Teaching Children Responsibility? And and I was just Enjoy. I was befuddled. I was Welcome. like, seriously? She said, Yes. I mean, I everyone knows Random House, you know. Right. I said, Well, the problem is we don't own them. I mean, you'd have to call our our publisher. Well, she did. The interesting thing is, she ended up calling Deseret Book and buying those two books. And they became national bestsellers. They even they even released them in remember those little trade paperback editions that yeah. were they were called pocketbooks, and that's what that's what took off, and so we ended up be going just in one day from having a nice local regional publisher to having the biggest publisher in the world, and and all we can thank for that is is either luck or we would choose to say it was a great blessing. It was an amazing blessing because, do you remember that I was in a cast and I had a new baby when we were going on that show? Yeah, somebody yeah in the, that's right. Somebody in the office took care of the baby while we went on for our five-minute segment. Was a cat, did and you I just your, had a car accident. It was, it was your finger, it was your hand. No, my foot. Oh, it was your was foot, it was your foot, that's right. And it was It was actually a walking cast, So, but that was pretty funny. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> So that anyway. was a that was a real turning point in in that. And what I've realized, Linda, we're going to run out. We got more book stories to tell. We're going to continue on with this next week, and we're going to tell you some some stories. Not because they're about our books, but because the books led us to these experiences, which in turn taught us some things, not only about ourselves, but about our children, and about parenting, and about culture and about trying harder to be citizens of the world and trying harder to understand that our way of doing things was not always the best way. 
And absolutely, I think there's some things to be learned, and we want to share some of those with you. So we invite you back for the next podcast, which we're going to call Book Stories Part 2. And this has been a fun route for us. Thank you so much for joining, and we hope that you will come again next week because it's a lot of fun um, remembering these things and we'll have some things that apply to your life as well. It's all about family. It's all about relationships. Join us next time for Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.